Morgan. And I'm Isabeau. And this is a bonus. In this particular ness, we're very excited to announce <laughs> our upcoming project for June. And as usual, invite you to join us for June and probably part of July. <laughs> we are kicking off the summer of category with our category is series. Each week, we will discuss a different category romance from a different decade, starting with the 60s and wrapping up with the 90s. I can't wait to share the books we'll be discussing, but first, Isabeau, what is a category romance? Please answer in the form of a question. Well, Morgan and listeners, <laughs> let's turn to the erstwhile RWA for the union-approved definition, series or category romances, books issued under a common imprint series name that are usually numbered sequentially and released at regular intervals, usually monthly, with the same number of releases each time. These books are most commonly published by Harlequin and Silhouette here in the U.S., I think that's so interesting that they highlight, uh, RWA chose to like specifically highlight Harlequin and Silhouette. Yes, there's money changing hands, but also category romances used to be much more widespread across publishing. Yeah, right. Like category romances are typically part of any lot, like giant box of romances you can get off of eBay or Etsy. They were so widely available. You could even get them as a subscription, right? I think this is surprising. 15% of romance was purchased via subscription as of 2017, according to RWA's numbers. So I guess it isn't so surprising that there are still so many in circulation. Uh, you can actually get them for 50 cents each at Unique Thrift. Hot shopping tip. I actually got all the books we, were, we will be reading from a lot on Facebook Marketplace. The big floppy cardboard box of romance I picked up in an alley. <laughs> like the kittens in the box at the beginning of all of our company and it starts raining and oliver is the only one nobody picks at the end but jokes on them because oliver's actually the greatest it was exactly like that categories aren't known for their high production values and they kind of have fewer laurels than single title romances but if you find a niche you like a category is a great way to scratch that niche itch categories are distinguished for their relative shortness less than 400 pages 55,000 words and the line each book belongs to has multiple filters applied not just setting or theme but also heat level faith Sensual stories are harder to find in categories, actually, but some imprints, especially back in the day, were exclusively high heat. In each episode, we'll definitely get into the implications of the book's line um, as best we can research it. Shall we get into which books we will be reading? Yes, please. Okay, so our first text is How Can the Heart Forget by Emily Loring. It was published in uh, 1960 originally. The version we have is uh, from the 70s from Bantam, which published it, printed it 14 times alone. Jeez Louise. Yeah, and it is a mysterious love quadrangle. Um, speaking of mysterious, Emily Loring, the author, she began writing in 1914 when she was 50, uh, and then she continued until her death after what was described as a long illness in 1951. Can you believe that? That's a long-ass life. Right. But also, I pointed out this book was published in 1960, so apparently after her death, her estate was managed by her sons, um, and they published 20 more books under her name all the way through 1972. And these books were based on her unfinished material and ghostwritten by Eleanor Denniston, who is actually Eleanor Roosevelt, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt's uh, personal assistant for a time. I would love to know how these bereaved sons 
hooked up with ghostwriter Eleanor Deniston, a.k.a. Eleanor Roosevelt's personal assistant. Like, this is a story in and of itself. Thank you for introducing it to me. I know. I'm personally (laughs) hoping for some sapphic themes based on that background. But uh, I also think it's so interesting. This is kind of an outlier in category romance. In the category, the line is the author. So her sons publish these books as a category, the Loring line. uh, And How Can the Heart Forget is number 10. And it features two sisters in love with the same man and then this fourth guy who's also involved. Uh, So should be pretty interesting. Absolutely stunning artwork on the front with the artist's signature included. Can't wait to share on Step Back Saturday. But I do want to give our listeners a quick heads up. One Goodreads reviewer noted that there were 18 mild words in the text, all slang. So if you're sensitive, maybe skip that episode. Can't wait to see what the mild slang is. (laughs) I'm so excited. If Maybe I won't even recognize it. It'll be something like, I don't know, all the way. Yeah, hot patootie. That'd be great. (laughs) Taking us into the 70s, we've got The Golden Songbird by Sheila Walsh from 1975, but set in when else? The Regency. This one was put out by modern-day darling Berkeley on their Signet Regency romance imprint. The headline, You've Won Me, Now Take Me. (laughs) Classic story of boy wins girl and gambling match. Is that what they're called? In a gambling hell, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, Okay, so then from 1988, Crown Publishing Group, their pageant Regency imprint. So we've got another historical... Uh, We are going to be reading, I love this title, The Prodigal Spinster by Joan Overfield. This is a classic love story of a man and his ward, and it is a goddamn Golden Heart winner. Uh, Overfield has said that her nine years working as a 911 operator helped her with character development. Uh, If that's not all, Isabeau, prepare for one of the best author bio personal ads I've ever had the pleasure of reading. She lives in Oregon with her golden retriever, Libby, and an ornery alley cat named Pounce. (laughs) She is also a killer trivial pursuit player and loves the smoky wail of a tenor sax and Mm. the icy bite of perfectly chilled champagne. Oh man, I bet she had a really good time in the early 90s voting for Bill Clinton. (laughs) That smoky wail. (laughs) I bet she did too. I bet she had a great time. I bet she's like, everything I wanted, I put in my personal ad, and you made him come from Arkansas. Oh, no. (laughs) Can't wait to read that one. (laughs) By the end, we're going to Miss Winter, so we are headed to a snowbound cottage. Harlequin presents number 1327, Tangled Threads by Suzanne McCarthy, from the month of Morgan's birth, April 1991. (laughs) This cover has a big fucking sweater and even bigger hair. Anyways, the heroine pretends to be her brother's wife. So that'll be fun. (laughs) Also, a juicy tidbit. Juicier than that? (laughs) Juicier than that in terms of how this works. This Harlequin Presents was originally published by Mills and Boone. So all the webs come together. Whoa. Isabel and I were just reading Mills and Boone was kind of like 
you know, they're obviously an originator of romance, but category was kind of the originator of romance itself. And so that's really interesting. It feels like we've got like a cornerstone text since it was originally published by Mills and Food. So my hypothesis for this project uh, is that we'll discover as an all genre fiction, prolificness nurtures creativity and skill. I think sometimes we think of people just expounding, you know, like one great book per year, and that's quality writing. But I think the principle of practice can be applied to art, of course, and we'll be able to see that in category romance especially. Like, I learned how, like, new microbreweries, right, they make these, like, really funky beers, but it's largely because they couldn't even make a Pilsner if they tried. Like, you have to start off with these really, like, funky dare I say, imbalanced IPAs and stuff to get the machines and the staff and the ingredients and the temperatures functioning at a specific enough pitch to make something like a Pilsner. And I think we think of Pilsner as like Bud Light, right? As this mass-produced plebeian thing because there's a lot of it, but it's actually very refined. I do. I think that's actually a really important distinction to be thinking about when it comes to category and maybe retool some of our... What do I want to say? Stereotypes about what this part of romance might be able to give us. Do you have any other predictions? I think as part of this, I'm going to like them more than I anticipate. I really enjoyed our Ghostbuster category romance. And I think there'll be some funky vocabulary words. Lingo we no longer use commonly, like bodacious babes or something. And I anticipate that that will tickle me no end. That's Isabel. Uh, buckle up, buttercups. I think this is going to be a ride. <laughs> the category is... Mwah. This week's episode of Womance is brought to you by An Earl, the Girl, and a Toddler by Vanessa Riley from Kensington Books. If that triplicate sounds familiar, it is probably because this book is the second installment of the Rogues and Remarkable Women series, the first being A Duke, the Lady, and a Baby. Uh, Not clear on whether or not the baby from the first book is the toddler in the second book, but that isn't the only mystery in An Earl, the Girl, and a Toddler. In this sweeping, swoon-worthy second installment, a shipwrecked woman searches for her memories and becomes entangled with a conflicted nobleman who holds more answers than he realizes. Love a shipwrecked, love a conflicted nobleman. This sounds perfect for summer. Uh, The Rogues and Remarkable Women series revolves around the Widow's Grace, which is a secret society of widows battling society to regain their money and a chance at love everlasting. Because guess what? We can have it all in a Regency. Um, If you haven't heard of Vanessa Riley, Riley is an award-winning author of Regency and Historicals, featuring dazzling multicultural communities and powerful persons of color. She is a member of RWA and the Historical Novel Society, as well as a Christian Book Lovers board member. Um, If a girl, a girl, and a toddler sounds more like company than a crowd, uh, be sure to pick up a copy. Thanks so much. Whoa, golly gee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Womance is hosted by Isabel. That's me. And Morgan. That's me. Production is by Nick Gravelin. Our webmistress is the incomparable Jane Bonzac. And our illustration and logo were created by Mary Reichman. They're the best. If you'd like to follow, creep, or connect with us on our social media platforms, you can find us at 
mans underscore woe on Twitter, womance on Instagram, or email at womancemail at gmail.com. You can also hang out on our amazing website at womancepodcast.com. You can support us by using our code to visit our sponsors or go to our Patreon where we are Womance. Womance is officially part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media slash podcast. Until next week. Mwah.